That was some good worship. Thank you, team, for leading us uh, in worship. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope that brought you into his presence this morning. So, how are we doing this morning? We're doing good? Yeah, maybe a little bit. More about how we're feeling in just a moment. We're continuing in our series from First John. Pastor Scott's been leading us. They're away this weekend, so is Pastor Aaron Rolna. So you've got Dylan and I. Enough said there. He's uh, busy in the back. Anyway, he didn't hear that. But First um, John chapter 3, we're looking at the end of that chapter this morning. And uh, we've been preaching from this series. Uh, when I say we, I mean Pastor Scott, um, has been preaching from this series for the, since January, The Real Jesus. And uh, we're continuing in that. Last week, uh, he said that uh, he talked about us being uh, weirdos for Jesus. And if you missed it, you may want to go back and check that one out. Uh, actually, they're all online, so you can check them all out there. But First John chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me. Um, this, uh, there's a couple important truths that John really wants us to get at the end of this section, okay? It's kind of his exclamation mark, I think, in this section. Um, actually, it's God that really wants us to get this. This is his word this morning to us. So First John chapter 3, um, Scott ended with verse 18. I'll start with verse 18. <clears throat> and again, uh, as we're reminded in this whole section John uses this term, dear children. Well, he starts uh, verse 18, and he actually also in uh, 21 at, with dear children. And I think it's kind of like, hey, folks, get this. Get this. This is really important. Okay? So, dear friends, friends, get this. This is really important. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. <clears throat> Even when we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, let's get this. If we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must love, <clears throat> sorry, we must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as the command, just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we live, or, and he, oh man, and we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Um, back to the feelings thing. How are you feeling, right? Feelings are an interesting beast, <clears throat> aren't they? Some of us are rolling our eyes. Some of us are going, oh, yeah, that's exactly true. Well, it's, if you've heard it, I've heard it said that feelings never lie. They do tell us something, don't they? They point us to something that tells us that something's going on around us or something's going on in us. Feelings are important. They show us something. They tell us about what's going on. We need to listen to that and go, what is this that's going on in me? 
Um, so how are you feeling today? Good question. We say that often. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm bad. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm freaked out. I'm excited. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. There's lots of ways to answer that question. What about how are you feeling as you stand before God, as you interact with God? How are you doing with that these days? Hmm, that's a, maybe a harder question to answer for some of us. Verse 19, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. And this isn't about standing before God at judgment day. This is about standing before God like we do today, any day in our everyday actions with God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Wow. That's good to know. There's some of us that really struggle with telling the difference or we get confused between conviction of the Holy spirit um, or feelings of guilt or condemnation by the enemy. There is this tension that goes on. And if there's ever a way I can weave John 10, 10 into a sermon, I always try to, and this is a great place to do it. One of my favorite verses, the thief, Jesus says, comes to steal, kill and destroy. And the thief is trying to steal and destroy all the time in our lives. He is trying all sorts of things in our lives. And this is one way that he can bring us down. The difference between conviction and condemnation is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. That's one of the things, the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives as followers of Jesus. He convicts us of sin. And he wants us to confess our sins and turn away from those things that we have done that are against God, that are contrary to what God wants us to be doing, and ultimately to push us to God, encourage us to lean towards God. That is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. On the flip side, the enemy makes us feel useless and hopeless, lost and to have no chance of salvation or to minimize our, our relationship with God. He does all these sorts of things. He makes us feel like a phony and he whispers in our ear, you're not really a Christian or you're not a very good Christian. You, you know, who are you kidding? Look at all the things you've done or look at that person over there. They're way better than you or And he begins to go and, and nag at you and, and lists all the stuff that goes on. Remember, Satan, the evil one, is the father of all lies. He is a deceiver and has been a liar from the very beginning. Jesus told us that back in John 8. He is the father of lies. Starting way back from the garden in Genesis 3, Satan didn't come to Eve with a big stick or a big stone or anything to hurt her. No, he came to her with a lie, with a deception. I want to just flip back to that. Genesis 3, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day, he asked the woman, which is crazy. I guess the serpents talked back then. I don't know. That's another thing. We're not talking about that today. But he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? 
twisted the truth right off the beginning. The first thing he said, he twisted the truth. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman said. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. I'm picturing Adam and Eve were wandering somewhere in the garden. Some people think that they were up close to this and they've got close to this tree and this was part of the fault. Maybe, they, maybe she was. We don't know where Adam and Eve were. But I, in my mind, picture Adam and Eve way off in the distance, away from that tree that they were not supposed to get close to. And the serpent found them, convinced them otherwise. And as he's talking, he's leading them to the tree. That's in my mind. Anyway, that's a side note. You must not, and she, she told him what, what God told her. And then the serpent said, verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. A lie a truth, a deception. The woman was convinced. She saw the the tree that was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And their eyes were opened. There it is. The enemy has not changed his tactics from the very beginning. He continues to deceive us and lie to us all the time. This is the same thing that he comes to you and me most every day. He whispers lies and deception in our ears. If you have feelings of condemnation or guilt, it is not from Jesus, but from the evil one and his forces. And on the flip side, we know that when we sin, Holy Spirit does convict us of sin. When we sin, we can confess and be cleansed of that sin. John, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all our sin. Everything. We can be clean of it and, and not be hopelessly burdened by this sin in our lives. That's the two differences between what the enemy does and what the Holy Spirit does. So the next time you hear those voices, ask yourself, is this the Holy Spirit convicting me of something? Is there something that the Holy Spirit is asking me to do or to stop doing? Do I need to confess something to God and and seek his help in something? Then do it. Stop there and do it. And be free. And if you're still confused, if you're still wrestling with, I don't know what this is, then go to some other godly man or woman in your life and say, hey, I'm wrestling with this. Be bold and courageous and ask people in your circle to come alongside you, to pray with you, to chat with you about this. Or... When you hear those voices, is it the evil one pushing you down and making you feel small and useless, trying to steal, kill, and destroy? Ask God to silence those voices that are not of him. In Jesus' name, be silence. And then go to God and replace those voices you hear with truth, with his word, maybe with worship songs, 
find a, pl- a way to replace those messages that you're getting with God's truth. And this now leads us <clears throat> to the point, I think, in this section that John really wants to end us end on. It's an important truth that he wants us to really get. Verse 24, and that is we are to live in him. And LT says, remain in fellowship with him. So he says in verse 23, and this is my, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded, which of course we know back in Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments? He said, love God and love others. Those two verse 24, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him or live in him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us, lives in us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He is with us through his spirit that lives in us. So obeying God's commandments, remaining in fellowship with God, go hand in hand. This is the key that John wants us to get. The main point of all of this, this whole love theme that's going on in this first John chapter is fueled by this remaining in Jesus. I went and found a verse came to my mind when I was preparing it. Ephesians five, Paul tells us imitate God. Therefore in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love. There is that theme. That's all through first John as well. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Imitate God. How do we imitate God? How do little children imitate us? They hang out with us. They live with us. They are a part of our life. And yet then they start doing the same things we do. We are to be little children and to live in fellowship with God, to be in him. That's how we are to imitate God in everything we do and ultimately everything he does. Imitate Christ, remain in fellowship with Christ, live in him. Or in other translations, it says, abide in him. This is at the heart, the bottom line of being a Christ follower and obeying him in everything. How to love like Jesus loved. How do we do that? Unless we live in him, imitate him in everything. I've been reading, actually, both Katrina and I have been reading a great book called Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. Very cool book. And I'm just about halfway, just over two-thirds, or half, two-thirds way through. It's been really liking it. It's about being a disciple of Jesus, practicing the way. Or as he calls it, uh, an apprentice of Jesus. That is a great word for us to ponder, don't you think? It, it brings new light to what a disciple means being an apprentice of Jesus. What is an apprentice? It is someone who is learning a trade or skill from an expert. They're to do as they see how to do it by the one who's teaching and training them. When you apprentice for a trade, um, there's some schooling that you do uh, along the way. And that might, that is needed, but a significant part of being apprentice is walking alongside someone to learn the trade and the skill. In this case, we are called to be an apprentice of Jesus. 
to walk alongside Jesus in everything. Yes, there's some good things to learn when we do Bible studies and come to sermons and podcasts, whatever. There's always good information, and those are needed and important. But what's even more important, just like an apprenticeship, is to walk alongside someone who shows us, guides us, watches us do it, all of those kinds of things. We are to live in him, remain in fellowship with him in order to be like Jesus. John says, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. We remain in an apprenticeship with Jesus, learning, following, doing what Jesus did, loving like Jesus loved. We watch him. We imitate him. We do. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he is all of that. He is the only way to make us clean and righteous before God. And through him and by him, we can be saved and become children of God. 100%. When we believe in him and put our hope and trust in him and him alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. The one word that comes to, uh, that Comer keys in on in the book when he came to this verse is the word way. And I think it maybe gets lost a little bit too. And this kind of shed some light for me. It was like, wow, great perspective. The word way in the Greek is hodos. I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but I did dig into this a little bit and so did Comer. Hodos, which is translated away, but it's also referred to as the road or the journey or a path. Jesus is the road. He is a journey. It actually gives us the impression, the sense that Jesus or uh, following Jesus is more of a journey, an apprenticeship that we need to look into. At the same time as understanding that through him, we are made righteous before God and receive salvation. As Jesus said, he is the life and no one comes to the father except through him. Through him. Comer says that one way to paraphrase Uh, Jesus' invitation to follow him, to follow Jesus, is to say, adopt my overall way of life to experience the life I offer. So don't get me wrong. This is not talking about a work-based salvation at all, okay? It's really important. This is talking about the journey that we as followers of Jesus are on with him. Are you truly on a journey with Jesus? Or have you just checked a box and said, I have salvation. I'm good to go. Jesus has way more to offer us than just that. He invites us into an apprenticeship with him. To learn from him. To lean into him. The only way you can do this is by leaning into Jesus. And to be with him. That is what John is trying to focus on at the end of this passage. In order to obey God's commands, John ends with this bottom line. Remain in fellowship with Jesus. Remain in him and he in us. There's no other way to do this. Willpower will fail. Studying the Bible and coming to church every Sunday and listening to podcasts, as good as those are, and they are important. And we are instructed to do that. 
but they will fall short as well. It is not just about knowing Jesus. <clears throat> it is about being with Jesus, living in him, remaining in him with Jesus. And that is being a disciple of Jesus, an apprentice, being an apprentice of his. That's at the heart. As followers of Jesus, we are we just dabbling in this? Are we just going through the motions? Or are we truly learning from Jesus every day? The cool thing is, is that Jesus has given us himself. He said, I'll never leave you. And when he left this earth, when he rose to heaven, he gave us himself. At the end of verse 24, we see it. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. We're not doing this on our own. He is with us. We can ask the Holy Spirit, how am I doing at being an apprentice of yours? <clears throat> One of the best things you can do if you're in, in an instruction mode is to ask lots of questions. A good teacher says, hey, no dumb questions. You can ask anything. And I would imagine if you were uh, uh, apprenticing someone, you would want them to ask lots of questions because that's how we learn and grow. Jesus wants us to ask him. Ask him anything. Ask him how we're doing at being his apprentice. Ask what things are distracting me from being in fellowship with remaining in you, Jesus. And wait for it. Wait for the answer. This Holy Spirit will not hide what he wants you to know. If you are truly seeking, is there sin? Are there things taking me away from what God really wants me to be involved in or pursuing? What are the distractions in my life that take me away from being an apprentice of his? And then John tucked these two little verses, 21, 22. Dear friends, hey, get this. If you don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And, he will, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things and do the things that please him. That's another whole message. In those two verses alone, those are huge. What voices are you listening to? If something comes to mind and then you start reasoning out or giving excuses, maybe there's a good chance that there's a tension going on between the Holy Spirit and the enemy. And we need to silence the enemy to hear the voice of Jesus in our life. That is so important, folks. We just need to be living in Jesus constantly. And maybe this is new for some of us to go, I thought I was doing that when I got up in the morning and read my Bible. Well, maybe you are a little bit. The first thing that came to my mind when I got to this part in my preparations earlier in the week was from Psalm 46. So I did some digging into that little psalm because we've all heard that psalm. 
Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It's a good one. You know, um, this was probably written in and around when Israel was being invaded by the Assyrians. And Jerusalem was probably surrounded by its enemy. And then this psalm was written. One commentator put it this way. He said, in this setting of when this psalm was written, in this setting, be still and know that I am God is not advice to us to lead a contemplative life. However important that is, and that is really good. It is talking about rather, he says, lay down your arms, surrender, acknowledge that I am one, the one and only God. We are to stop everything. We are to shut it down and be still and know that God is God. That's good. That really brought some light to me. It really did. We are to be with Jesus, remain in him, be in fellowship with him. How well are you doing at just being with Jesus, being in fellowship with him? Or do you just always have to be doing something? Let's just be with Jesus. Especially, if you go back to that psalm, when we're in the deep end of life, when our enemy is all around us, when life is heavy and hard and we don't know what to do, if you read that passage, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help us in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble in the sea. Like... That's a crazy description of what's going on. Later on in the passage, he causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know. Shut it down. Israel, shut it down and just be with me. I'm going to look after you. I am the victorious God. The key theme of love is woven all through 1 John. It starts with us not just knowing about Jesus, who loves unconditionally, who is an amazing person of love. We are to be with Jesus, to truly know Jesus and be with Jesus as his apprentice. Learning to do what Jesus did. Learning to do what Jesus does. Learning to love like Jesus. Are you a true apprentice of Jesus? What a great question to end with this morning. And we're going to have worship in a moment. We're going to sing one more song. But before we do, um, in this quiet room, I'm going to ask you to just spend some moments with Jesus and just ask the question, what do you want me to know? Is there something you need to tell me today? 
and then wait for the response. And if you're getting conflicting voices, ask Jesus to bind the enemy in Jesus' name over your life and just listen for him. And so in Jesus' name, we want to hear from you, Father. Tell us what we want to know, what we need to know in these few moments. In Jesus' name.